GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, it's Malls. Welcome to episode 69 of Please Advise. I'm laughing because Christina Lopez is the fucking worst. Uh, you guys, today's an awesome show. We brought back... One of my favorite guests, so we're just going to go straight to him. Mr. John Levenstein is here. How are you, sir? Hello. I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. I know. Uh, you give the best advice, and everything you've said since you've been here has been such a breath of fresh air. We're used to dealing with a lot of bullshit at this point in our lives, and you're just really bringing it home for us always. Well, thank you. Do we have any follow Like, did anyone who called, was it anyone who called the last time also? Um, I No, I don't think oh, we, unfortunately, we hoping. don't have that. But I do have some new fun games. Did you, you did you played Do You Fear That already? So we're, we've already examined your fears. Well, now I have two new boxes of table topics, which I purchased um, on a recent home goods run in which I bought a rubber spatula and a couple other things. And then when I was checking out, you know, where they keep all the real good stuff, I found our favorite things, table topics, a brand new set. So I'm going to ask you some dating questions, and then I'm going to ask you some America-related questions, and I might do them mixed up. Okay. Um, what do you want to make sure you do before you die? Was that a dating question or an America question? A dating question. What do I want to make sure I do before I die? Yeah. I don't know how to answer that in that context. I would have said get married once, but I've been married and divorced. So I'm not, I'm not goal oriented at this point. Okay. Generally, is it your similarities with someone or your differences with someone that attract you to them? historically differences so like in what sense so you would date like someone very like uh what's different from you what do you consider different from well again historically i feel like i'm in a period of transition but i would say someone who was not as controlling as i was okay just because that would have been a drama that would not have worked out and so that led to uh situations where i was probably more competent you know where i was handling things okay but also, I wasn't necessarily comfortable not handling certain things. John, would you rather swim in the Atlantic or the Pacific? This might be based on a false assumption. This is an America question. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I would say the Pacific because nothing freaks me out like jellyfish. And I feel like there's more jellyfish in the Atlantic. Yeah, dude, you don't even know. Oh my God, this is the best in that it's the worst. When I was like nine, I was swimming at Martha's Vineyard and um, I got like attacked by a school of jellyfish or whatever you call them when they're like that. And I got out of the water and I'm like, mom, my whole body hurts. And uh, my mom was like, 
shut up. It's the salt water. Just go lay down on a towel and let the sun like dry you off. And um, like 15 minutes later, a lifeguard ran up to me and was like, honey, are you okay? You have the worst jellyfish swelts all over your body I've ever seen. And I looked at my mom and I was like, you got to start listening to me, bitch. That's Never a good, forget it. That's a good moment for a kid, right? Yeah. Like I feel like a shark bite in the Pacific would be shocking. Right. But that icky feeling of realizing that a jellyfish has wrapped yourself around you. Yeah. That sounds worse in a way. There's something about the consistency of a jellyfish. Okay, John, here's another America question. Okay. What modern actress is most like Marilyn Monroe? I'm saying Scarlett Johansson, but not in every way. Yeah, no. I don't think she's like struggles the same way Marilyn did. I don't either. It's hard to think. I mean, I would guess almost oh, yeah. Lohan might be the closest that's such thing. A B, that's such a B version of it, though. It is. It's got to be a star because Marilyn Monroe had star quality. She did, but also there was less stars then. All the more reason it was a big deal then to have star <laughs> yeah, quality. That's true. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you guys like threw in the personal element of her lives because I was just thinking like, oh, who has that sex appeal that she had who was like on that level? Do you know she barely spoke in movies because she had a stutter? Yeah, love that. But, but I was I, thinking like Sofia Vergara or something like but that. But here's my problem with like both of those. When you say who had that sex appeal, I don't find sex appeal sexy. So that's oh, exactly like, 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 like obviously Je- sexy. Yeah, like Jessica Rabbit, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of guys who grew up wanting to fuck Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> you were not one of no, them. No, no, it's not my thing. Oh, I was. I think I wanted to fuck Jessica Rabbit. Um, what's the best thing you've learned from your mother? I don't know if it's the best, but there were really no rules. I didn't grow up with any rules or guidelines. Okay. So, um, that In was what great. Sense? Well, because she was kind of childlike herself after right. my parents were divorced and just supporting the family was a big deal for her. So I was taking care of myself in a lot of ways. And there's a downside to that. But the upside of not having someone else make artificial rules helped me figure out like how to do my own life in a way that made sense. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it just also kind of goes to show when situations like that happen, how um, natural it should be to just wind up being a decent person. You know, like people are like, I raise my kids to be, no, your kids are just good people or they're not, whether they figure it out on their own. Yeah. They don't benefit from total neglect and they need to be loved, but they also, I feel like need a lot of freedom. The downside of it is I've never dealt well with bosses or authority figures, just having them at all. Yes. No, I hate it. In fact, I would say I just can't do that. (laughs) Right. Because Deep down, the concept of it seems ludicrous to me, and that's not the kind of respect a boss is looking for. No, not at all. I mean, and also, my mom and I are both pretty uh, quick to admit this, but we have thin skin. And for a really long time, I used to think, like, I had to get thick skin. But no, I'm just, like, I'm not not into someone yelling at me like a football coach in my face or anything like that or being treated callously. I'm I'm sensitive to that shit, man. What's your favorite Muppet? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love the Muppets. You know, I'm not a Muppet fan, so I just got to go <gasps> for the two old guys in the balcony. Oh, my God. Well, they're great. So great choice anyway, but that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, because when was the heyday of the Muppets? In the 70s. It just, no, I'm telling you. It, I see a Muppet, it changes my, my whole day, and no what, matter what time. What about the reinvention? Well, okay, look, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I, I, Christina and I went, and I sobbed 
around the grove for an hour and a half. I was crying in Gap. I had to go yeah. stand in a corner at the Gap because I was just so happy to see them all together again. Like, I just couldn't. But, I, but on TV, so the new show oh, you like. Oh, that show? Yeah, that's what I'm talking I about. I don't watch it, but whenever I see them, even in the commercials, it brings a smile. It does. Okay. <laughs> They're just cute. I love Miss Piggy. I feel like the show would have been good, like, if had it been on five years ago because it has that office kind of feel to it. Yeah, I mean, just that style, I'm not. But it's My it's problem with past. it, as you know, because I tweet about it a lot, is I don't watch anything that's behind-the-scenes show business. Right, and right, that show, right. in its own way, is behind-the-scenes show business, so I can't do it. And once you make that rule, you actually miss a lot of good shows. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of the reality shows I've been watching, too, have started like Teen Mom OG, they call it, for completely inappropriate reasons. Um has started to like completely break the fourth wall and like you just see the production like getting in the car with them and like saying like okay so he's inside and she's like no I'm not going inside so like you see them talking to the producers it's crazy yeah people in Hollywood are so fascinated with themselves I know it's amazing um okay here's a good one for you maybe how has the American dream changed I feel like people used to have some shame, you know, like no one used to dream of having $40 billion. Right, right. You know, like everyone dreamed of having a million dollars. Yes. And then like people who had more than that didn't talk about it. Or like they just wanted to own a house. Yeah. That was it. Or if they wanted to be rich, you know, like what were the huge goals? Maybe like having a private plane or something. Nothing you or owning a sports team, you know, but nothing you couldn't do with less than a billion dollars. So these things of the 10 billion, 50 billion and the wealth for wealth's sake, and also people counting it. Like, I feel it's, it's a little strange that on Twitter, anyone can look and see how many followers you have, you know, because it's a little bit like looking in your wallet, but we do that too in society now. Like there's lists of exactly how much money these people have. When I do celeb net worth, things I just feel so gross after because a lot of times they're incorrect but also it's just like I, I'm like why do I care how much Jennifer Aniston has in the bank like what does that right. say about me I am curious though I mean you know, as you know I read the Sony hacks too so I'm not on the high ground with this so okay so I am in the industry you yourself are in the industry were you aware of this quote-unquote open secret that Charlie Sheen was HIV positive Abs- absolutely not no, I mean, I'm either hanging out with the wrong Sheen friends or I'm just not well-respected enough or... Well, I've, I've also been on so many TV shows where I find right. that if I talk about the inner dynamics of the show to people on the outside, the people on the inside look at that as a betrayal. You Completely. Know? And I, I will do it. Like, to me, it's not a closed system. So right. something a little creepy about not talking to the outside at all about what you're going through at work. But a lot of people just won't do it. Yeah, I think that's gross. I don't get that. It's like, you know what? You're not any more special than anyone else who has a job. Every other person in America gets to go home and tell their wife how bad their boss sucks. Um, if you could go on a double date with any U.S. president and their spouse, who would it be, dead or alive? I want to make a good choice. Because um, the spouse is important. Totally. Yeah. And, like, sometimes it's really the spouse that stops you. I mean, so far, I'm probably Bill and Hillary, but uh, who is a really charismatic first lady? I'll tell you. My my drunk history, Frances Cleveland, she was, like, the best. But Grover, I have no interest in. Grover, I'm interested in. He's a very scandalous, mean man. Franklin and Eleanor, I'd be interested in. 
to yeah, a that'd point. Be, that'd be like sexy Abraham then. Lincoln. The wife was a oh, depressive, my God. right? No, so she, I don't well, want that. good news is she'd probably be locked in her room crying all night. So you Lin- just get serious one on one time with Lynx. Then like Lyndon and Lady Bird would be a good time. Cute. You got to figure. Yeah. Nancy, yeah, Nancy Reagan. No, can't do it. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> Bill and I'm going. Bill and Hillary. Okay, cool. I'm surprised no one. Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious why you wouldn't say JFK and Jackie O. But yeah, I feel like with them there was too much going on behind the scenes. Like they're coming out and having a fancy dinner with you, but then they're going back into their rooms. He's going and like choking a prostitute or somewhere. Yes, things are going on. Yeah, yeah, and there's that weird tension when you're at dinner with a couple that's just they can't. Okay. Um. What movies have you seen at a drive-in? I believe I saw Grease at a drive-in. Good. Good Like when it first came out. And I had a date at a drive-in. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was like, I remember already because I was a freshman in college. It was the summer after that year. So it was 1978. So already going to a drive-in was a retro choice at that point in 1978. But we went on a date to this movie. I kissed this girl. It was like a really good date in my life. Um, but I don't remember what the movie was now. Well, that's fine. I think that you remember the important stuff. I think I do. Um, okay. And then I will just uh, ask you one more. Uh, what would you outlaw in a relationship if you could? Outlaw? Yeah. Like we can't engage. I don't, we're never engaging in this behavior or we're never doing that. I mean, there's things that are bad that a lot of people would outlaw, but to me are irresistible, so I couldn't do it. So like an example of something that probably should be outlawed, but I will not outlaw in relationships, scorekeeping. (laughs) I know, a terrible idea. Am I going to outlaw it? No, you bet I'm not going to outlaw it. Oh my God, you'd Um, be so much trouble. Oh my God, do you know? Most of the girls I know would murder someone. Of course. Oh, no one likes it. No one likes it. (laughs) No one likes Um, it. (laughs) But I am a purist about not fucking around. So I would outlaw affairs. Yes, I agree. I agree. I don't understand affairs, really. I mean, I understand breaking up, but not affairs. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Um, Okay. Well, those are our table topics. I know how eager you are to get into this goddamn advice. So do you want to do it? Hey, Moz. My name is Sarah. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Um, I'm having some neighbor drama. I live with my boyfriend, and we got new next-door neighbors who share a hallway with us, and it's two girls. And I haven't met them yet because it's only been about a week since they moved in. But last night, they came home blacked out drunk and were really loud, and I don't mind that at all. So I was kind of fine. But then... My boyfriend went down to the laundry room to get our laundry, and when he came back up, our new neighbors came outside and were pretty aggressively hitting on him. And I could hear the whole thing from my apartment, but I was okay with it because I get things happen like that. But then I think they were drinking more or something, and they came out and they started knocking on our door for like two hours. They would come back out and knock on our door, and I didn't want to open the door because their level of inebriation was a little alarming to me, and I don't like dealing with people when they're like that. So now it's the next day, and I feel really uncomfortable with the whole thing, and I don't want to be a grumpy neighbor, but I just don't know what to do. And 
hopefully you'll have some insight into this. I mean, I love going out and I love drinking with my girlfriends, but I've never come back to my apartment and banged on my neighbor's door and been kind of aggressive with a neighbor guy. So I guess my question is, how do I handle this moving forward? I love my apartment. I don't want to move or anything. But these girls were kind of just being so aggressive with my boyfriend and with the knocking on our door saying that I guess I need some guidance as to what to do from here on. Um, Thank you. Bye. Girl. I don't know. You're overreacting. It just is a one-time thing so far. And I'm going to guess that they weren't just drunk. I'm going to say that they were probably on a social drug, like Coke or something, where they're wanting to like be like, hey, like let's party, like knocking till 2 in the morning. What you do if that ever happens again is you get out of bed and answer the door. So they're like, oh, there's that guy's girlfriend. But then also you say, you guys, are you okay? And you act very sympathetic and say, are you okay? And then if when they say yes, because they'll probably be embarrassed, you say, okay, just so you know, like, unless it's in a, a really big emergency and you've already called the police, there's no reason to come and knock on our door late because we're a couple that goes to bed early. And that's not true. Just make them feel bad. It's the shh, the baby sleeping thing. Everyone feels guilty when they know they're disturbing a sleeping baby. What do you think, John? What was her name? Sierra or something. Um, from the central coast of California. <laughs> well, for, it, just to understand. So she lives with this guy, right? Right. The night the new neighbor girls come home, uh-huh. blackout drunk. Yeah. The next day, he goes down to get laundry, right? We don't yeah. know if the next day they're drinking yet or whatever. And they're hitting on him, right? Yes. Okay. Then... He goes back to their place, and now they're drinking more, and then they're banging on the door, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, I would say I am not conflict. I, I don't mind conflict at all, but I do tend to avoid conflict with neighbors. I feel like every time I've had conflict with a neighbor, it's been stupid and a mistake, and it's better to just allow for your neighbor's uh, idiosyncrasies. But also, I'm just a little skeptical of the story of the uh, – of the two girls, the neighbor girls who want to fuck. I mean, like, are all of your calls in earnest that you get here? Or do people sometimes make things up? Or do we believe I mean, there's two neighbor look, girls Dr. who are like... Laura's real good at sniffing out, like, someone dropping deets or yeah. being like, there's clearly a part of the story missing. Um, I don't think they want to fuck. I think that that if... I mean, I've been drunk enough and been like, hey, like, who are you? Like, come party. Like, I've been like that with people before with... Not n- not bad intentions, but not the greatest intentions either. Uh, I think it was something like that. It could be also like it could be a college town. Like they could be yeah. Santa Barbara students or something. Um, it could be the begin. It could have been the beginning of the school year for them. I'm not gonna lie. I'm 31 years old, and sometimes I come home pretty tossed, and I'm like, "Hi!" Like I always, my security guards know me because after a certain hour, I put on my Motown records and like want to have full blown combos with them, and that's just what it is. Like sometimes you just get drunk and start being oh, so come up to the apartment or to yell at me, or like sometimes I'll just be like, "Hey, Lorena!" Like, and I'll go down to the lobby and talk with her with my Motown blaring upstairs. I'm like that. What do we think it meant, like, that they came down blackout drunk? Like, they came home drunk. How do we think that affected her? Like, they made some noise or something? Yeah, like, I mean, 
yeah, like I think it just was probably two slop dogs coming in, their keys jangling, like dropping shit, laughing, like yeah, just two like drunk ladies. Because the other thing is like there have been times neighbors have complained to me about things that I had no idea were a problem until they complained. And like that seems like something obvious. Well, of course, they would know that was a problem. But, you know, maybe they just weren't thinking about it for whatever reason. And I do know there's a difference for me between when things are pointed out to me and when they're not. Um, so I think that you have to at least give them credit for having good intentions. It doesn't Completely. sound like they were trying to do anything wrong. But I also think it's a little late now that she's sat on it and called us because this happened when she called. This happened the night before. So presumably it's been at least three days. Oh, it's not worth complaining about anything that happens once anyway. Right. But like if it were a pattern and it bugged her and she brought it up with him, with them, then it might change. And it sounds like your boyfriend's a good dude from all I know, just in that it's like he dealt with them politely from what you could heard and then went back inside. Like that's. But, but also probably like the boyfriend's a little nicer to her than she is, probably. I'm not going to lie. My first living situation in Los Angeles, when my college boyfriend finally moved out, I was like in a full-blown relationship with the guy across the hall like 20 minutes later. Yeah. So, or is that, you know? They're ready. They're on deck. Yeah. So, but I, but girl, don't, don't, if the fact that you're already in a place in your life where you're saying like, I don't want to move, like, you don't have to move. You don't have to do anything. And I if they're agree. that big of a problem, your landlord probably doesn't want them there anyway. So you could just drop a note to him if it's like a like regular thing, meaning like four plus nights a week. This one was almost not a problem. Basically. Not the stuff this show is made of. Okay, let's get to the real problems. And oh, guys, if you have a real problem and you want to call and put your call in the air, it's 323-450-7408. And you can almost, or almost also email us a voice note at askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. We love the sound quality on those. Thank you. <laughs> your voicemail is pretty awesome. So <clears throat> my sister is making me call to ask this question. I had brought up to her today that I kind of regret deleting four and a half years worth of pictures of me and my ex-boyfriend. So the question would be is after a relationship, is it immature or is it the right thing to do to delete and burn all evidence (laughs) of past relationships for good riddance? And my name is Ashley. Thank you. I mean, I always used to just trash stuff, but I have to say, like, my relationship with my ex was one of the most important relationships I've ever had in my life, period. So, like, to destroy photos of that relationship, I just, I would never do it. At the same time, fuck yeah, that's not, that's not a problem. I'm surprised it took you four years to do it. Well, I think she said they were together four and a half years. Oh, I thought she said that it's been four years. I think they were together four years. Like. To it me, was I mean, for four years. oh, sorry, girl. To me, it goes to the question of like, what do you do to kill to kill a feeling that you want to kill? And to me, it's any means necessary. The problem with burning photos is that photos come back these days. You can think a photo's gone and then it pops up on the internet again. You know, it's harder right. to actually to actually get rid of things than it used to be. But like, I've moved across the country to try to kill feelings. There's nothing I wouldn't do. So to me, burning photos would be the least of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fine. Um, You know, I do have to say something about that, though. I know when you're trying to, like, kill a feeling, you have to do by any means necessary sort sort of shit sometimes. But, like, I don't think it should ever be at the expense of the other person. 
No, I agree. I agree. You like know. when my in my example, when I was in my twenties, I'd fall in love with my best friend, and she mm. was living with this other guy, and I didn't even tell her how she felt, how I felt, because I was also friends with the guy, but I just didn't want to feel the way I felt. You know, I just I just didn't have that many tools Story to deal with. Story of my life, friend. I so that actually, Christina and I are both like hunched <laughs> over in pain listening to that because that is real. As I really like. John, I'm sorry you went through that. It yeah. was terrible. No, it was terrible. It was worse than breakups in yeah. some ways. Yeah, because it's like you'll never – you never knew. And I'm sure now there's probably a million reasons why you're – or maybe a, at least two reasons why you're happy that was unexplored. But was it like a never – it was never going to happen or it was just like, oh, it wasn't the right time because she was with this guy? As it turned out, over time, it was never going to happen. But I didn't know that then. Right. I couldn't know that then without asking questions I didn't want to ask while she was in that relationship. Uh, yeah. Have either of you ever had like a never going to happen but still – or do you not let your feelings go that far if you know it's never going to happen? I have I – de I dealt with that a lot in um, college actually. Like I was – like my life was ruled by my love for this man in college. Like it was, and like senior year, I remember like he had just gotten back from being abroad and like it had been the hardest six months of my life, like this man being abroad. And we were also like very, very close and always going to be close whether or not our feelings were, my feelings were reciprocated because we were in the same comedy group. I'll just say that. So, I mean, everyone who knows what I'm talking, everyone knows who I was in love with in college. Everyone. Like, it's just kind of my thing. Uh, so I used to walk up to people and be like, hi, I'm Molly McLear. I'm the girl who's in love with blah, blah, blah. Like, I just was so in love with him. And so I remember I took him to get hamburgers or something. And I just was like, okay, so I am in love with you. And <laughs> I like, it was just like, it was as, it was as disastrous as you can imagine because I, but I did that thing that everyone always tells you to do, which is just like, suck it up and put it out there because like even if he's with someone you'll never know and like he had just started dating some girl who was like I call them hair makeup accessories girls that are like they're pretty but like it's mostly that they just have really good accessories and hair and makeup uh and I like really just like I was like how can you date that cat-faced bitch I mean like it was so mean <laughs> it was just so but like I was destroyed by it like I, I thought I was going to have to be, like, hospitalized. It was just bad. But then the worst part of that was is when I've been in a couple of situations that were the reverse, where it's I had a close guy friend who caught feelings for me and assumed that I knew he was in love with me. Or sometimes, God, there was one time a guy wrote me a letter and I had to write him a letter back just being like, dude, you're my best friend. Like, why are you doing this to me? And it was like – and. And it actually ended pretty terribly. Like he could wind up like sexually violating me in my sleep. And I had to, like, it was a huge disaster and we could never be friends again because I continued to make the mistake of hanging out with him, even though I knew he was like in love with me. And I thought I could just make it, make it become friendly again. These relationships are terrible. The worst. Yeah, I agree. And they can take time to get over. I feel like even once you know something's unrequited, it can still take time to get over. And if you live long enough, unfortunately, some of these situations that are never going to happen do happen. Yes. And then that can fuck up your feelings about the ones that really are never going to happen because it's easier to put things to bed. But a part of you has other parallel situations drawn in your history that then changed, you know, 
But once you have an attitude like anything's possible, then you can't get over anything, which is a terrible way to live. Can I tell you, though, the beauty of being rejected for me has always been that every single time without fail, it happened to me as recently as last week with some guy I dated years ago. They always call or want to get a drink and they sit me down and tell me it was the biggest mistake of their life and they treated me horribly and they're so fucking sorry. Every single one. And it is the best fucking feeling. I've waited 10 years for one once and it's the best feeling in the world. And I would say, because that doesn't always happen, you have to find a way to get on with your life even if every person you've ever dated doesn't come back and say it was a huge mistake the way they treated you. You have to find a well, way to get on, even when that happen doesn't happen. To me? Well, it doesn't happen for most of us. You've <laughs> yeah. got to you've got to cope. <laughs> but so back going back to the caller's question, was it wrong for her to delete those four years of pictures? Or no, no. Again, pictures have a way of coming back, so it yeah. might not be a hundred percent effective. But absolutely, do that. Do whatever it takes. Yeah. Word. All right. Go uh, buy some crystals. All right. Next call. Hi, Malls. Um, so my question for advice today is um, me and my boyfriend have been together about over a year, like a year and a half now. And I think I knew beginning, like in the beginning of the relationship that he was like, uh, I don't know if he's like a Republican, but he's like libertarian and like likes Ron Paul and basically... Um, yeah, and I'm very liberal Democrat and social Democrat kind of, um, and it never really was a big deal. I feel like we don't ever talk about politics and when we do though, it's like an all out brawl and I think he's an idiot. He thinks I'm an idiot and we get in like huge fight if we ever talk about politics, which is like very rare. Um, but I'm kind of worried that like if we if our relationship like continues for a long time like is that going to be a problem in the future like what if we have kids and he's like oh fuck the liberals blah 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 and then like their mother is a liberal and yeah maybe I sound crazy right now but it's kind of been on my mind because I feel like what what does that say about us or is that going to be like a big problem in the future? Can we like separately be different political views and it totally work out? Do you have any like experience in it or anybody, you know, has experienced dating someone with completely opposite political views? Um, yeah, sorry. This is so long, but I got kind of distracted. Okay. Thanks. Bye. John, just take this one. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't feel like she makes liberals seem great. I'm like social Democrat. <laughs> I feel like I feel like she would be the Ron Paul husband's friend's idea of like what a liberal is and why they don't like liberals. Exactly. Exactly. So politically, I'm on I'm on her side, but but what's what's happening here? I mean, let me just say this. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to be a problem. Like, it is. I actually am in a place in my life now where I finally realize I probably wouldn't hate marrying a Republican because I know I'm firm enough in my shit that 
fine, we can cancel each other out until eternity. I don't care. Um, I also, I, I mean, if someone who's uh, socially conservative is a complete no-go. But uh, yeah, that's a huge problem in a lot of ways because it's going to dictate how you guys um, live the rest of your lives. Republicans uh, run their money differently. They buy houses differently. They care about people differently. Like, they're, I mean... Most of the Republicans I know would be like, why would you give a dollar to a homeless person? And I'm like, oh, I only have a five man on the freeway. Here you go. And I did that when I was broke. I recently, I just recently for the first time in my life started making money and it, it, it doesn't behoove me in any way to vote Democrat, but I would never look, might be able to look at myself in the mirror if I started voting for my own money. Well, so, and this guy's, a, this guy's a young, she sounded young. So you've got like, let's say this guy's a 20 something just means he has libertarian books that's even weirder to me like what kind of young guys a 20 something libertarian but you know on the other hand again, i dated she... guys in college who girl were like that. oh is we that true a young <laughs> uh, we had a young gay republican society at boston college is there anything sadder than a young poor uh, gay republican like it's all like oh like young poor gay oh i'm on board republican like what like i don't understand that like it, that's like daddy please love me like i don't know what that is but it's just people i poor republicans blow my mind like <laughs> it just it makes me so sad because it's just the social they issues. only and well okay well here's the thing too my, my mom and i got into a big fucking fight when she got married because she started voting republican my stepdad's a republican and like I am a child who has benefited from state health care my entire life. Like, I, I, we didn't have enough money for, for all of the things I needed. And so her, her being a single mom, she benefited greatly from all of the programs she's now voting against. And, you know, yes, you can be – I think if you're not voting socially, if you're voting uh, fiscally over socially, you're retarded. Sorry. And it sounds like it's a mistake for her to be with this guy, but nothing happened that made me care if she makes a mistake or not. I will say this. When I got the call. It's, so I mean, she makes a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> when I got this call, it immediately reminded me of James Carville and his wife, <laughs> Mary Madeline. Um, if you don't know who those, those people are, um, J- James Carville is a staunch uh, Democratic like campaigner. Um, he worked for the Clinton campaign back in 92. And his wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, actually worked worked for the Bush campaign. And she's a staunch Republican. He's a staunch liberal. And they've been married for over 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> but, but these but peeps are smart. staunch smart. losers. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so, Girl, I mean, it's possible, but it's just like you got to be smart. You, about it, I, I would uh, get him a library card to get yourself a library card <laughs> to a different library and just stay in there till you figure some stuff out. Real world experience, because the older you get, the more you'll realize that you're asking a fucking ridiculous question. All right. We got a letter? Let's do it. Okay, here's our letter. Hi, Malls. Thanks for answering my Snapchat re-soup. I'm sending you an email to ask for your recipe to ask what I should do with my depressing life. I recently lost my job and have been bartending, but feel as though my... Friends expect me to have a, quote, real job since I'm 40 years old, but I've spent better parts of my years working in a cube farm and like not and like not being in a cubicle, but don't know what to do that will be fulfilling and soul soothing. I'm out of ideas. I have three years of college, but no degree except an associates and an extra year at uni studying psychology or studying sociology, which I don't want to do. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Right now, it's hard just to get up and get on with my day other than taking care of my dogs. Even making soup seems like a huge undertaking. Yours, Danielle. 
Okay. Oh, second email from Danielle. Also, I just cut my hair into a pixie and I look old and ugly, so that's not helping things. Sorry to make this email a complete Debbie Downer. Okay. And what did she say she's doing for money now? Uh, bartending. bartending. Bartending, yeah. I actually interacted with this person on Snapchat and then stopped interacting with them because I thought it was a creepy male. So, Danielle, I had no idea. And it wasn't, I, I never saw your face, so I know nothing of this pixie cut. Um, real quick, my soup recipe. Just real quick. Okay, so I there's this deli, and uh, I think Green uh, Greenblatt's is the best Jewish deli in L.A. Cantor's kind of tastes like dog food to me. No offense. I just think it's all really gross. Um, and Cantor's is my shit. So I've, like, made it my life mission to figure out how to make all of their recipes at home. And I have totally cracked the chicken soup, but I am, and I'm working on the pickles pretty aggressively. Um, but I eyeball all of it. What I do is I go to the store. I get a couple of... Um, chicken breasts. I like breast meat in my soup. A lot of people use like legs or thighs because they're cheaper and have like a better meat for that sort of soupy stuff. I just would rather have breast meat. Um, I cook it in, I boil the breasts in my Dutch oven. And then when like the breasts start to get kind of cooked, there's going to be a layer of fat that rises to the top. You got to scoop that fat off with like a little bit of a strainer. In the meanwhile, you're going to want to get like your vegetables going. So I usually just go to the farmer's market and get a bunch of carrots. And then um, sometimes I sometimes I peel them. Sometimes I don't. Um, baby carrots are also fine. And I chop them up um, into small little circles. And then celery, same thing. And then I cut about two white onions. Um, and that is like the base for any good soup. So then you throw that in there. And then I do... Um, a little bit of real chicken broth, about a cup of that, and then like a chicken bouillon cube. And you can use vegan ones. I've been doing vegan ones sometimes because they're less salty. Um, and then from there, um, you put in a splash of canola oil. Um, that's what that bubbly stuff is on the top of soup. Um, and then you um, just let it simmer for like two or three hours. Um but your base should be four cups of water and then add in a little bit extra later. Salt and pepper to taste, et cetera. Oh, cilantro is great too. That's interesting that your base is water and not like a chicken stock or something. Well, I don't do chicken stock just because I'm going to add – I'm making my own chicken stock yeah. in a sense. And then additionally, like I'm, I would rather have – I don't like too much of that like – broth in a container i would almost rather just eat some anonymous chicken tasting product because it tastes more like green blots to me i don't know that's my deal it's not the most healthiest thing but i make about two huge vats every other weekend freeze it up and then i always have it in my fridge i also make butternut squash soup which is really easy um laura miller who's a former guest of ours has a really good vegan tomato soup on her um on her website thing and it really just requires chopping up a bunch of tomatoes and onions and having a food process processor it's really great um all right so soups that's soup uh rest of your life i'm not sure john what do you think i uh what's the last job you did for money that had nothing to do with writing logging tapes and tapes Mine was like when I was 35 I was working in a business manager's office okay. and I did not like it at all um, and like thinking back, I would have been a lot better off dog walking or doing something like that, doing something I actually enjoy. But I think I right. had in my head, well, I'm 35, 
I'm a loser. So I've got to at least have a job behind a desk. And I feel like I limited myself to things I didn't like in a way. So I feel like in her case, the fact she's bartending instead of working in office is good. Yes. I feel like um, you have to find things to do for money that you don't mind that much and put ego aside. And like when you put ego aside, I think that what you like can be different from what you expect. Like some people would rather clean an apartment on their own time then go into an office and have a boss, for instance, you know, exactly like, ev- like everyone's yeah. different. So to me, the big thing when like you're at a point in your life and you feel like a loser and you need to make money is to just forget about ego and think about what activity can you actually stand doing? I would really oh, love so to great. drive an Uber like that. Like to me, that would be OK, too. I would have much preferred that to what I was yeah. doing at that at that point in my life. Uh, and if you don't have a great car, by the way, girl, you could even do Lyft. Like, I've seen some real <laughs> shitty cars on Lyft. I mean, we've called Lyft homeless on this show. I know. <laughs> well, and then as you're making money doing something like that, you know, find something that you love to do. But, but don't look for, like, respectability in your job at that moment in your life. True. Can, can I ask you something, John? How did you turn it around, at, like, when you were at that point in your life? I just I started to go to grad school to be a therapist, and I, in my mind, at that point in my life, it was just lucky for my writing that I decided to do something else for money, which was go to grad school. But then while I was there, some other things, some other opportunities started to come around from seeds I'd planted previously. Got to plant those seeds. Yeah, you never know. You never know like what's good news and bad news in the moment, and you can do things that don't affect your life for years. Exactly. Damn, it's so true. I'm always telling people just say yes to like the things that move your heart, no matter how you feel about them, because you never know when it's going to wind up in the right hands and turn into something that it should have been all along. Very exciting, man. When you say plant those seeds, what do you like? What do you mean? And then how did you go about doing that? Well, like in that case, it was just there were people, there were stand up comics who I'd met in the 80s, who I'd worked with, who I'd kept in touch with. And then in the 90s, as I went to grad school to become a therapist, they were becoming sitcom writers. Yes. And okay. then I wrote a spec script that was good, but I didn't really have the access at that point to get people to read it. But at that point, like I had one. So then when an opportunity came up through this old stand up friend who I'd maintained the relationship with, I had something to show. So the things I thought hadn't paid off was like I'd written a spec Seinfeld like a year before I went to grad school. I thought, well, that didn't amount to anything. You know, I'd known these people in stand-up comedy who were now writing for sitcoms, but that wasn't really helping me. I wasn't writing in sitcoms. Uh, So just some things had to come together for me. John, what was your first writing job? It was writing for Michael Nesmith, former monkey in the 80s, writing sketches for a home video. And then we wrote a TV show for him called Television Parts. (laughs) Cool. Was that the one whose mom invented Whiteout? She invented liquid paper, and yeah. then whiteout is the knockoff product from uh, liquid paper. Oh, it's kind liquid of like a paper hydrox. Was the jam. Remember? It's like a hydrox yeah. Oreo situation yeah. where a hydrox was the original. Oh, really? Yeah. No. For those who don't know. Um, so you, how, how old were you when you started your writing career? Right out of college. I, oh, okay. I, did sketch, I did sketch comedy in college, and then when we graduated, my partner and I came out to California and put on a show. Um, and then we were sending our sketches around, and that's how we hooked up with Nesmith. So that was like less than a year after graduating college, I would say. 
That's for the yes, yeah. yes. And so right. I was writing with that partner for years. <laughs> it was when we stopped writing together. It got to point that like all we could agree on was what was funny, basically. Right. And we'd written <laughs> sketches and movies through the eighties, but then work was starting to dry up a little bit. The partnership wasn't working as well. And then when we start stopped writing together before I established a career on my own as a writer is, yeah, when I was doing other things for money and when I went to grad school to be a therapist. So, Danielle, just like make that soup. It's pretty cheap, actually, to make. Last you a long time. Plant seeds. Follow your heart. That's basically all we can give you today. But yeah, I was worried, man, because you sent me a like a pic of you making some Trader Joe's soup. And I'm just going to throw this out there. That Trader Joe's soup, like I recognize the can. It costs $2.29. Now, for $2.29 at the farmer's market, you could have gotten your carrots, onion, celery, go home, add on like maybe a $6 chicken breast, one of those little cubes, nothing. Uh, you've made a week's worth of meals for a roughly – $8. Your life's awesome. I would also say if you're having like if you're depressed, if you're having a hard time getting out of bed, things like cooking are good to do. Exactly. That's what I told her. I said, you just find this when I thought you were a man. I you just like eventually it just becomes soothing, you know, and you that's I, I spend all day cooking on Sundays. It's my jam. I smoke a cigarette in my apartment. I allow myself and I uh, watch a, a documentary. It's great. Um, all right. Do we have another call? Let's do it. Hello, Malls. This is Sarah Benincasa. I am a fan. I think you are very funny. Here's what's important to me right now. I am drunk. It's been a stressful weekend. And I'm watching Left Behind on, I think it's Netflix. I don't remember. And Nicholas Cage is in it, but it's not Kirk Cameron. And people on Twitter are like, oh, isn't, isn't it funny when Kirk Cameron does this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's Nicholas Cage. And somebody was like, Nicholas Cage regenerates into Kirk Cameron a la Doctor Who. And for a second, I believed them, not because I'm not smart, but mostly because I just, like, want to believe in goodness. Feel free to call me, and we can talk more about this. Okay, goodbye. Hey, guys. Christina here. There was a little audio glitch, so we're missing the first 30 seconds of Molly and John's responses, and I'm here to fill in that gap. Basically, Molly was a little confused as to what Sarah was talking about, and I explained that there are actually two Left Behind movies, one that came out in 2000 with Kirk Cameron and another one that came out in 2014 with Nicolas Cage and Chad Michael Murray. So that's what you missed, and here's John to explain something else. Anyway, so John Daly in particular wanted wanted to do parodies of these Kirk Cameron movies, and so we would watch them, and even as something to make fun of, they're just so boring. They're so boring. And also poor Candace Cameron Bure as well is really boring on The View, and I was a huge Full House fan as well as Growing Pains. Just sad they've turned into oh, that boring was like Christians. His, that was his hot girlfriend on Growing Pains? No, that's his sister in real life who played DJ Tanner. They're all a bunch of Christians. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and Candace, like, one day, like, she's like, I just think it's so sad about terrorism. And, like, she got so upset about it. We're like, duh, girl. Like, And then, <laughs> then Nicolas Cage, was that like the Kirk Cameron movies, or did they try to... All right. They just tried to remake it with a bigger budget because it did pretty well. It was all it was all unwatchable, the stuff I watched. May I tell you this, though, because I feel like we can just forget this human and go on to a question I have, really, that I think you'll have the, a good answer to or a good assessment of. Now, 
I don't think in any way that HIV is funny. I grew up knowing I, there's been two things that have existed my entire life that are unique to my generation, which are Oprah and AIDS. Okay, that's it. And so I've always known of it and I've always known of it as a very sad thing. I don't think Charlie Sheen got HIV because he was sleeping with hookers or men or transsexuals. I think that he probably got it because he slept with 5,000 people, period, regardless of what it is that they what do for a living, and that he was doing a shit ton of drugs. And I'm sorry. I think that is a little funny. And I don't I don't understand why everyone's talking about I know there's I know there's parts of the country where people hear HIV and they say, ew, gross. But like I grew up in the Northeast and then I came straight to Los Angeles. So I've never really been around that. And I don't I don't understand why getting AIDS is not not a bad thing. You're saying it should be – what happened? Like, was someone saying it was inbounds and someone okay, saying it was okay. out of bounds so, as a thing to talk about? This whole con- – like, I think he got it, by the way, from a, from a needle, I just Me assume. too. I absolutely – That's what I thought. And too. a lot of people are doing this whole thing right now where they're saying that people are, quote, unquote, HIV shaming because people are pointing directly to uh, the uh, unsavory characters, as he called them, that he says he slept with. Right. Um, and the drugs and the spinning out. Now, I don't feel bad. I, I, I don't I've never I've been a, I've followed any sort of lie detecting manual of any sort. But I saw that Charlie Sheen interview with Lauer and I just never seen more blatant lying in my life. Like, well, whether here's what I'd say, whether he's lying or not now, there had to have there is some HIV shaming going on because he was being blackmailed. And in fact, it was costing him millions of dollars to have the information not come out. But so do you I think, think that might have also from, been because he's had unprotected sex with um, thousands and thousands of people? It could be all sorts of reasons, but it seems like the information he was trying to stop from having come out before he admitted it was just that he has HIV. So he'd like actively had the experience of spending money to keep that information from coming out. So I could sure. totally see where in his life it's something that's being traded as, you know, as shame in right. commerce. Uh, but, you know, it to me – if you make a comment or don't make a comment, who cares? I, I never care about that. I don't, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I just feel that this is sometimes there's things that happen that it's like, been seeing a lot of like, oh, if you make any Charlie Sheens, they're calling them AIDS jokes. You guys, he doesn't have AIDS. He has HIV. That's another big thing. But if I see any Charlie Sheens AIDS shaming in my timeline, I'm unfollowing you. And I'm like, first of all, please unfollow me. I don't even know how I'm following you. And secondly, like I, I, I guess I just don't understand when you follow the how to get HIV handbook and then you get it, why why all of a sudden pointing out that, oh, man, he followed the HIV uh, handbook, how to get HIV handbook. That's like and we can't make jokes about that. I don't under I'm really kind of bummed out about it. I want to just talk about it on the pod because dealing most I'm I'm mostly reading from like liberals who assume that everyone hates like hates HIV and we're all like, you know, Justin Bieber apparently requested a dressing room, one room away from Charlie's on the Today Show that day, which, by the way, John, we have to address uh, Justin Your Bieber. Your nemesis. Your nemesis. No, I actually have really come around. I'm a Christian woman and I've come around because here's the thing. When you see someone coming, you can't be mad when they're there. And Justin is very enjoyable. <laughs> and I, I, I like that music. 
And I think, you know, when he cried, I cried at the VMAs. And I just, it, you know, I think there is something going on. He's a poor, white, trash Canadian teen that was raised moralist, essentially. All right, you've turned around on him. The thing with Charlie Sheen, like, my, I have a pet peeve on Twitter when people, before anything's happened, they'll, they'll tweet something like, uh, if anyone here has anything homophobic to say, say it right now and I'll unfriend you. It's like people love being like these right. tough guys on Twitter, but fighting phantoms. Like, I understand responding to things people are actually saying, but people also respond Social to things that no one is warriors, saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I saw this one guy I know who, like, literally I know would stab every prostitute in Los Angeles in her sleep just for a retweet. Um, and he, like, jumped in immediately, like, oh, great, woman beater Sheen, like, blah, blah, blah. And he just, and I'm like, first of all, like, you don't care about women. Secondly, there's just no way this person cares about women. Secondly, like, yeah, here nor there here nor there, whether or not he shot Kelly Preston in 1922. Like, no, it's here nor there to me. This is about a totally different subject. And you don't, you're not supposed to get HIV because you're a bad person. And, and that implication is, is I think a lot of what people are discussing with this age shaming or HIV shaming thing. It's interesting because everything that you're talking about right now has been like one of the major storylines in South Park. And that turn that like popularization of the social justice warriors coming yeah. after. Yeah, they're gonna fix everything with their internet comments. But <laughs> here's my other question. I want to ask you, Christina, because you just are always so like, I don't know. You're kind of like you're the one who tells me I can't say the T R A N N Y word anymore, and like that's and and so I need you to tell me. I need you to tell me your take on this because you seem to always be pretty well rounded in your knowledge of these issues. Uh, what do you ask me specifically if, like, you can joke about HIV? About Charlie Sheen's HIV. It's hard because, I like, and I try to always find a balance because you don't want to be too PC because then it's just, like, then, not, then nothing is sacred and, like, nothing is on. Um, I'm like, sorry. You can't anything joke about is anything. funny if you want it to be. <laughs> I guess. I mean... I don't know. I'm <laughs> I don't suing someone right now because they, I said, got sexually harassed, but I laugh about it to sleep some nights. Like, it's the funniest thing ever to me. Well, it's also very upsetting. It's pretty fucking hilarious. I, yeah, there are just some things I wouldn't find funny. Yeah. Regardless, like, you know, child molestation. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't joke about, you know, Charlie seen having HIV, but I wouldn't be mad at someone who did. Here's my tweet. I That's deleted. my thing. Okay, I deleted my tweet. Ready? My tweet was, it was five minutes after, and I wrote, wait, I thought we knew Charlie Sheen is HIV. And then I just decided, I was like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. And a lot of people were faving. And then I was like, I'm going to get some backlash. Because then I started seeing, like, a lot of people not commenting on the thing that was, like, the headline news of the day. Then also I was like, girl... You're about Paris right now. And like Charlie Sheen's HIV is not a top priority for you. Like you need to keep your retweets about Paris at the top right now. Yeah. Well, ultimately, because I was like, you know what? Fuck it, malls. This is your moment. And then I was like, you know what? This is Paris's moment. Paris Hilton. Um, so, yeah, no. And um, by the way, you guys, we didn't get to say this on the podcast last week, but we're really like feeling for everyone over in Europe now. And this is a pretty fucking intense situation. And I'm freaked the fuck out because I know New York, DC, LA, it's coming, man. And it's not going to be cute. And I'm in Glendale. I hope they don't go to the Americana. I just hope they don't come here at all, man. It's not cool. Bummed out about it. 
scares me. It's really scary, man. There's nowhere in our world that's safe technically, except like wherever ISIS is hanging out for right now. What do you think, John? <laughs> I've got too many political opinions. Okay. Well, let's take another call. <laughs> Hi, Miles. This is Ampi. Um, I'm calling from Chile. I listen to a podcast all the time and I love it. Um, well, I'm 22. And backstory, my parents are divorced. I lived um, with my mom and my brother for a long time. But now I live with my dad and my brother. We moved um, with him. Because we go to college in the same town he lives. So that's very usual here in Chile. We don't have dorms or anything, by the way. Um, so my dad started dating a 26-year-old a few months ago. He's 50. Maybe 52. I don't know. Um, yeah, 52. Um, well, she was an intern at my dad's job. And he works at a bank. Um... And I just find it extremely embarrassing um, to have someone so close to my age dating him. Um, he, well, she, it's not that she's mean, but she's like really boring. I don't really like her at all. Um, and I just feel very uncomfortable having her around. Like, she stays at my house almost every weekend and everything. I just try to bite her when she's here. And, well, he goes out with her, too, like, to pubs and clubs that my friends could be at. Like, I, I feel like my dad's acting like he's, like, 25, like, her age, you know? Well, when he's, like, not his age. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that's, like, that wrong. But, like, I try to think he's happy with that way, but I'm also, like, concerned at the same time. I've tried telling him how I feel about it, like, my brother had to, like, I'm so embarrassed and kind of comfortable, and he just gets angry and, like, won't even listen to me, like, he says I'm, I'm being selfish, and, well, that's, that's why I wanted to ask you, like, Am I wrong to think this way? Like, am I actually being selfish? I've tried to think in, like, the other way, like just being happy for him but at the same time i just feel like it's wrong i don't know please advise dude my heart breaks for you because like that is disgusting and really upsetting and i you know i had a mom who dated and, and it, i wasn't around till i was your age i was lived with her till i was 18 but it's it is weird. It's really fucking weird to watch your parents get into a relationship and then all of a sudden someone's sleeping over the house. And it's even weirder that your dad is dating someone who's so close to your age. You have absolutely every right to be perved out by that. Do you want to come live with me? Like, are you okay? I feel terrible. John, what do you think? I think that there's nothing she can do, unfortunately. Like, I have a... Uh... There's such a wide disagreement about this. So I made a rule for myself a while ago, which is that for me to date a woman, she has to, and even this, with this, I can end up dating some pretty young women. She has to be old enough to be my daughter's mother. Okay. So my daughter is, so, and so in my mind, again, it's all such a cop out because I'm in my fifties. My daughter is 17. So woman would have to be at least 35 for me to date her. Right. Like this guy, I feel like, 
doesn't and, and you know and if you want to because i know people in los angeles who have all sorts of relationships you can have no rules so this guy who's not in los angeles is of the no rules camp if someone has no rules like basically if he's dating someone who's his daughter's age i don't feel like there's anything she can do about because he already knows it's weird he's already just sort of like trying to get away with something but he's what? just telling you to deal with it uh yeah so to me so to me it's gross but there's not really anything to be done no, you're right. Uh, there's real. I mean, honestly, not as long as you live under his roof, which doesn't seem like you are going to have an opportunity to get out of there anytime soon. I don't think you should rush any part of your education along, but I absolutely think that there's nothing wrong with saying like, dad, I'm happy for you. Do whatever you want. Just don't expect me to be there. Like you don't have to show up and like go on a family dinner with this woman. Like you can do what you're doing and just kind of ignore her. Um, and if she ever says anything to you, just look at her in the face and say, you're not my fucking mother. And um, that's it. See, I would because no, again, knowing that there's nothing she can do about it, I would recommend a lighter touch. So like I wouldn't have there be an elephant in the room, but like I would make jokes about the fact that she's so young. If the dad and the woman the dad's dating choose to get upset about that, that's their joke. But to me, like that's more like the level of seriousness that it warrants. Ask her if she still gets her period. I would do that at usually. And then she'll be like, why? And be like, oh, because like usually the guys who women who my dad's dates don't get their period anymore. And then that's it. Like you can work <laughs> on the zingers. You can work on it. I mean, that was just an example. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think I'm sorry, girl. I really standing offer, though, if you want to crash on my couch for a week or something, as long as you're not a murderer, send me some pics. You'll be fine. Yeah, but that's a drag. You guys, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. You should go find us. Just please advise, PLZ advise, search for us. We are also reachable at 323-450-7408. That's where you call and leave your message. Um, it's not a live line, you guys. People ask me, what time do I call? It's not that show, you guys. You got to call here and leave a message. Uh, email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. We love voice notes. and We also love your letters. We ask you to keep them brief. Believe it or not, your problems are not as complicated as they seem. John, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter, John Levenstein. That's probably the best place. Okay, cool. And you are working on Silicon Valley right now. Silicon Valley. Those shows will be coming out in June, I think. Guys ever heard of that one? It's a pretty popular show. Um, all right, cool. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but do you have any free advice? Um, just being in Los Angeles and listening to the last free advice play out when I first got here, I would just say my free advice is end conversations and transactions, say goodbye, walk away. People in Los Angeles who just don't know how to end things and just keep talking after a conversation's over, don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, please just also be aware. Learn to read the cues, man. A lot of times people just aren't reading cues. Don't even wait. Don't even wait for cues. Cut it off. Walk away. Sometimes not even saying goodbye is the best goodbye of all. All right. So goodbye. <laughs>